parked in turn one, fans? Evidently, there's only three of you. That's what Bo said. But <laughs> I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, with my man, Bo. Here to talk to no one in particular, maybe myself. I don't know. Bo, how you doing this evening? Hey, man, I am good. We are ready to talk about Mizano. We've got yep. races. We've got tests. We've got contracts. We've got a lot. So we do. Uh, all four of you guys out there, saddle up because this one's going to be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk first uh, a little bit about the Mizano races, right? What and about me? I, let's talk about me. Oh, well, wait a minute. You're right. Let's talk about you, and let's talk about what you did this, this week. Uh, you, you had a little adventure. I did. I rode a motorcycle. The end. Now we can get into Mizano. That's it. Wow. Now, hold on. We're going to have to dig a little deeper into this. Now, we did some off-road riding. Is that correct? Uh, a little bit, yeah. We tried to ride yep. trails again. Um, went yep. down to, and, uh, uh, my wife and I went to Henry uh, OHV Trails in South Carolina. You've, I think you've been there a couple times, right? I've no? never been there. Oh. I'm going to go with you next time you go, which Which is be really a shame soon. that you haven't been there because it's probably, what, like a 20-minute drive for you or something like that. It can't be far from you. Um, no, it's it's about forty five minutes. Oh, okay, a little more. Um, yeah, it's a, a great place to go if you are in um if you're anywhere in South Carolina. If any of our listening group are in South Carolina, I know that uh, handsome handsome's one of the uh, one of our faithfuls. Uh, he knows where it's at. He's ridden. He rides there quite a bit. Actually, shout out to handsome John. Handsome, whose name is Sean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah, Henry, Henry's a, g- a great place. Uh, Angie and I actually went on Thursday. I took a couple of days off at work. Uh, we went down on Thursday, and we were literally the only two motorcycles there for a couple hours. There was one, a couple guys that were, the, were there when we got there, um, and then there were a couple of folks there whenever we had left. But in between there was a kind of gap of about an hour where uh, we had all the trails for ourselves. There's not a, It's not a huge trail system. Um, there's not a ton of trails. They're not really... Uh, not 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 terribly challenging. Um, and, and I say that as such a novice when it comes to you know trail riding. Uh, but there's so much you can learn on even the most basic trails. You know, and it it comes down to just even you know spending time standing up riding on the bike off on trails. You know, and um, that's one thing that I kind of focused on. The first trail is only about a mile loop. The second trail is a little, it's uh, quite a bit longer. Um, but the first trail, you know, I just kind of focused on the first time that I rode it, you know, got, got used to the bike again, got used to what it was going to feel like with the rear stepping out, stuff like that. Just kind of getting the mentality back into riding again. It has been some time. Um, and then I started, you know, as the day went on, I just kind of described, okay, let me stand up. Let me see how long I can stand up, see how my hips going to feel, see how my ankles feel, shoulder, all that stuff. Um, but it was a really good day. You know, Ange, Ange was actually taking, uh, her bike out for the very first time. It was the first time I'd been ridden at all. It was a KLX 140 RF that we got her. Um, so she, she kind of took some time to get back into it as well. She was a little tense starting out, uh, but then she loosened up and as the day went on, you know, she had more and more enjoyment out of it. Um, so it was a good trip, you know, didn't fall, which is, which is always a plus no injuries, no falls. Um, no, no broken. Sounds like you didn't learn anything. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't. Um, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I'm glad to have you back in the land of the riding again. You know, just throwing your leg over anything on two wheels—that's that's a big deal. And um, 
hopefully we'll we'll see you back on track pretty soon. But this is a start. You got to get comfortable. You got to get your sea legs back a little bit, if as it were. But uh, that sounds like a good time, and let's definitely let's do it again. Now that my truck is fixed, yeah, um, yeah, let's not let's blow do it your again. Truck up again, yeah. No, well, I'm not making any promises. I break stuff. That's what I do. But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it, right now it's working. So I say, let's go. Let's meet up and let's ride. It'll be fun. Um, but I, I, I think uh, is that is that what you've got for Henry? For Henry, yeah, I'm you, done. You, yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah, you can. I mean, it was it was good. We put some stuff on social to show you were out there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I and I even made a comment. You know, is the helicopter kid or the highlighter kid? You choose. And either my either one. It doesn't matter. But it's definitely good to see you back on the on the bike, buddy. Um, let's talk about Mazzano. Uh, you know, I, I, look, these races were as good as any we've had all year across the classes. Do you agree with that? hundred percent all day. Yep. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was a great set of races. Um, a real quick mention before we get into anything else, we don't talk much about Moto E, but we did see Dami Agater win the world cup in Moto E in the first race in Mazzano in the weekend. And, you know, that's a big deal because, if you know, he, he won. He almost won it last year. Well, he was the champion for like 10 minutes last year. Right, right. And then they yeah. penalized him. Uh, but he won it this year. So, you know, all all credit to him. Um, And now he goes back to try and also win the World Supersport title, which mm-hmm. would be very interesting. And as a reward, he got to ride the Suzuki at the first on the first day at the Misano test. So that's pretty cool. Um, Just a little feather in your cap. But, you know, talking about the races, let's start with Moto3, as we normally do. And, you know, in that race, we saw uh, just an absolute uh, cracking race. I was was really, like, couldn't take my eyes off the screen the last five laps. Like, I really, I even think I told my kids to be quiet. (laughs) <laughs> like be quiet and you know normally my daughter walks up i'll pause it I'll, i was not pausing it i was mm-hmm. watching it um but also discovered you know i tried to watch the gp race live through the app that is not the best way to watch it you through the app just isn't great uh with the live stream i think it gets overwhelmed it doesn't buffer well so i went and watched it through the website uh, live and it worked fine. So just a little heads up there to anybody that's trying to watch these races live. They, they don't do as well through the app. It does better through the website. Um, Dennis Faggio wins the race. Jamma Masha finished second. Ivan Covera finished third. You like that? Mm. And fourth, Dennis Anchu. Dennis Anchu with a heroic ride, really, with the yeah, amount of pain rough. that he must have been in. Yeah. I, I couldn't even. I'm telling you right now, Captain Novice is in the trailer. You'd have parked In it. the trailer. Done. Oh, yeah, 100%. Parked in every turn. Not turn one, every <laughs> turn. Parked in the garage. That's what we would be, the Parked in the Garage podcast. Um, but all credit to him, man. That That's heroic to me for him to ride that way. And Holgado finishing fifth. But the day belonged to Dennis Faccia, who ran a tremendous race. He really did. Now, this is the... Third time Third in succession win, right? yeah. at Mizano because he won both of them last year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's no easy feat. It was a little different from last year because they did back-to-back weeks in Mizano. Okay, so I get that. But you still got to win it. Everyone yeah. else had yeah. that chance too. Mm-hmm. And he did it. And 
the way he was attacking that flat out six gear turn was just incredible. Like he did not care. He was he was so much faster through there when he was following Ethan Quivera. It was it was incredible. And and watching these guys just chop it up for the entire lap. It's just so much fun at Mizano. Um we didn't have a green paint issue the last lap, but really, what a ride by Dennis Faggia. What did you think? No, same thing. And, you know, I think this ride by Faggia really, he didn't. He doesn't have much to lose at this point. You know what I mean? I think he was uh, fourth going into this uh, into this race in the championship, maybe third or fourth. Um, That's right. And, uh, you know, now he's, uh, now he's sitting in third, 35 yep. points back. So, I mean, this championship race is, it's, it's, you know, it's a three-way battle right now, I think, with all these guys. Because Faji is one of those riders, I think, that if he gets momentum, he's a dangerous rider when he gets momentum behind him. And, uh, and well, it, you know, uh, it was a great ride. That's what him. happened last year. He caught yeah. fire, mm-hmm. and he, he was just dominant at the end of yeah. it, right? Yeah, you're right. I, I also, you know, as, as good a ride as this was for Faji, and, and when he wasn't in, in the lead in the beginning, I wondered how that would affect him. Because we've seen him not do great you know, once he gets into a pack and he just can't seem to find his way out of it. But he, he just kind of moved his way through. He didn't he didn't force anything. He just kind of let the race come to him. And, you know, at the end of the race, he was fast. And uh, he let those other guys kind of battle it out. And, you know, it, it worked out in his favor. But great ride also from Jamma Masia. Yeah. And, yeah. And, we, and we say this all the time. This is the Masia we should be seeing every week. Yeah. It really is. 100%. But, it, but where does he go? Wait, are there two? Are, is is this the guy that's fast and he's got an evil twin brother that hates motorcycles? And he, Is this the guy? I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. Gemma is so fast. And he's... He it's should be got here that every Vinales week. esque you know, Ooh. thing to it. They, the, the Vinales effect, we'll call it. You know, it's... Oh, wow. And when when something's not going exactly right, it's just it's feast or famine for him, you know. And then and when he gets to ride that wave and he gets on the high, Maybe so um, he has such a lot of momentum and 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 performance is where we know it can be, you know, where the ta- the, the the result matches the talent level that we know is inside there. And I think that that comes down to uh, mental development. I think that's I think a lot of that comes down to what this is. Um, which is why he went over to the the IO team last year. You know, they saw some potential in him uh, from the Leopard team, and they brought him in. They they knew that they knew what he could do. They knew what he could achieve, um, but it just hasn't been consistent the last two seasons from him. And you know, unfortunately, I hate that for him because we, like you said, we we see how fast he he can be. We see just how successful he really can be. But um, it, you know, it's just the consistency also has to be there. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of being a professional is even when it's not your best day and and you're a human being, Mm -hmm. so you're not going to be at your best every day. That's just how being, that's the human experience. Everybody from the professional writer to the captain novice, we all have that, right? It's the same thing, but But you have to be able to perform. It's also really easy to pick that out too and say, well, Jamie Massey is not performing where we need him to perform, but you have to, to think relatively um, or I think in relative terms to the class, you know, this is a, a spec class, you know, mostly it's a spec class. You have, uh, essentially two manufacturers fighting it out. You have a KTM and Hondas and then, right. um, you know, all of well, a sudden the, the KTM variants. Um, and 
with that, you you know, it's a much much closer battle on track throughout the you know how many how many times do we see riders or packs of fifteen to twenty riders that are fighting for the lead essentially. Um, so, you know, it, it, it might seem sometimes that we're splitting hairs and saying, well, Jamie Massey's his results just aren't there. Um, because a lot of it could come down to where he kind of finds himself at the last lap, you know, and, and you know that, uh, I think it was, it was the, uh, the comment that, uh, you know, De- uh, that Jamie made that he said he was going to, you know, attack Dennis in the last, uh, in the last lap. But then the other Dennis came, you know, Dennis on two made a move on him. So then he had to kind of, to back up and then make a change. Um, so it, you know, that there's, he was still able to salvage such, such a good result, um, out of this race that, you know, it, it, we just want to see more of it. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, the thing is though, he's in a spec class. You're right. Pretty much. It's, it's pretty much spec. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's also a developmental class. And what Mm -hmm. you want to see from a rider is improvement, not just in your lap times, but in your mental approach. And I feel like, you know, Jamma's kind of stuck in a rut with the, if I'm on, I'm great. If I'm not, I can be as bad as you can imagine. And what, like I'm saying is when he's not have that, that spark that day, we need to see him finish fifth or seventh, not 17th, not DNF, you know, and, and, and that I think is a big deal, but you know, all these, these guys are so young, really. I mean, they're right. They're still developing as people, much less riders. So you're right. We might be a little unfair, but we just really, it really just flabbergasts me that sometimes I see Massey and I'm like, golly, that guy is so good. And then other times I see him and I'm like, where, where is he today? Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows why that is? There's a myriad of reasons that could be. And as we've stated many, many times, we don't know what's happening in those pit in those pit garages, we don't know. We have no clue what these guys are going through off track. We, you know, they're people, so they could have human problems. And they, just because we're riding motorcycles professionally doesn't mean they don't have human, regular human problems. So, you know, just I just hope to see this consistently from Massia going forward. And if he stays in the class, I hope I see him be consistent next year and challenge for the title. Really, really challenge. Um, third was... Ethan Guevara, and you know this was a this was a decent race for him. I'm sure it's not the result that he really wanted, but with his teammate and former championship leader getting disqualified, it was a great weekend for him. Um, we'll get to that Sergio Garcia ridiculousness in a minute, <laughs> but you know. Guevara just, uh, he, he, he ran a tough race. I mean, he led for some of the race. He he did what he could do. I don't think he had the outright pace to get away, or he would have. I think he he was just fighting. He just toughed it out and yeah. came away with the third. And, and, I, and I think, honestly, I don't think he made a mistake that cost him the race. I just think this is about as, as well as he could do, especially when you had Dennis Anchu and Gemma Masia back there fighting with you. I think he. I think he did okay. What do you think? No, same thing. I don't think you could really. I mean, uh, obviously, it's a podium. You know what I mean. So it's a really, a really good finish for him, um, considering the company that he was keeping in Dennis Faggia, or yeah, and Dennis Faggia, Jim Amasia, Dennis Anchu, and even Daniel Hagato, who we've seen is very strong in spurts this year, and even uh, Tatsuki Suzuki. You know, finishing out the top five. Um, this is a, a a super important race. Um, 
and shifted like you mentioned the uh, almost starting to shift that momentum i think that i think this momentum shift in the championship has really been evident um for the last few races uh in my opinion you see when Izan Guevara has outright pace he's one of those guys that just wants to get away from the pack he knows how volatile um slipstream can be in moto 3 he knows how effective it is he knows how much it can make or break a race if he has people that are directly behind him. Um, so I think he's one of those guys that if he knows he has pace throughout the weekend, um, he's going to push hard in those first few laps to try to get away. If he qualifies well, he's going to get out and get in front. But I do think that he's one of those riders as well that he might get a little bit, I don't want to say antsy or anxious or you know ahead of himself at the beginning of races. Uh, but I think he tries to get away at the beginning of most races, even if he doesn't start on pole. Um, I, I do think that he tries to get get out front, um, which he did this race. You know, by the end of lap two, he was leading, um, and then tried to kind of break away a little bit. But then Asfaji was there and wasn't going to go away this weekend. So Isan Guevara, I think he has the ability to to break away if he can. But then I also think that he has he has a, an ability to realize when he can't do that, but still bring home points. Um, you know, in Great Britain, we saw that he was uh, he was taken out on the last lap uh, through no, no fault of his own. He was still on on pace to to bring points home then. Um, and, and this weekend was more of the same. He didn't have the pace to win, but he still you know he still was able to bring home really good points. So I think that he's he's riding well at the moment. I think that there's a definite momentum shift in that garage a little bit. Um, and, and I mean, he's just such a a raw talent. Um, you know, I mean, just really impressive to watch. He he really, we said it many times last year, if not for Pedro Acosta, we were talking a ton about this guy. And, right. mm-hmm. and he, he's, he's proven us right this year. He, he is supremely talented and there's no doubt about it. I'm curious to see whether or not he moves up at the end of the year. He and his teammate, Sergio Garcia. Um, but this race, I, I, I agree with you 100% that he, he could not win it. I, I, I really never thought he had the pace. When he couldn't get away, I thought, well, I think he just try and salvage a podium here because, you know, it was he had two other hard chargers coming up on him after Fagia got by. Um and, you know, that's that's just all credit to him for holding it together, not throwing it away, coming home with some points and the championship lead, which is a big mm-hmm. deal. And, you know, moving forward, he he lost nine points to Fagia, but he picked up 20 points on his teammate that was leading the championship until then. Mm-hmm. So, in all reality, he did he did what he could do, and he that's that's how you win a championship. When you're not on, when you're not the fastest, you do the very best you can. You yeah, bring yeah. it home, you, you get points, and you move on to the next round. Yep. Damn and I, absolutely. And I do believe that he's going to be really fast at Aragon. Uh, yeah. I think he and Sergio Garcia will both be fast at Aragon. Um, but speaking of Sergio Garcia, what did you think about that? That black flag. So, you, you know, uh, I'm going to step back into last season a little bit when we saw the battle really start to heat up with Pedro Costa. Sergio Garcia looked very poised on the bike. Um, you know, those battles with Pedro Costa, he looked he looked mature. He looked poised. Uh, he really looked like there was going to be some momentum kind of come his way in the championship, which it did a little bit. Um, and he looked like he was absolutely going to be a championship threat this year, which obviously he's only 11 points back right now. In the championship, he was leading it most of the season so far. Um, 
and second still not bad. He's he's still got plenty of time to to claw it back uh, with six races left. Um, but I, uh, all that to say, I saw desperation in uh, in, in some things of what Sergio got. I sorry. I, I, let me let me let me walk that back. I don't know if it was desperation or if it was just actual immaturity that came out, uh, mm. because what I saw was kind of an, an immature um, immature mistakes. I think, and, and just kind of mental mistakes that there's no reason that what uh, what happened to him during the race should have happened. Um, and, right. and honestly, I, I just think that he got tunnel vision. I think he had red mist, and, and I think it was just poor judgment. Uh, on his part in all honesty um because honestly you know up until this point um his finishes you know i mean sergio garcia this year has uh, you know a lot of podiums and only three dnfs including the one in in, uh, mizano so you know i think is it really worth throwing away uh, that that many points of a lead just because you're having a bad weekend, you know, and, and, and I think really the kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back obviously was the low side in turn four that really did it for him. Uh, I think that he was, he was on his way to, to kind of move back into contention. He was pushing too hard and he just made another mistake. So he, he really threw his weekend away, I think. Well, he definitely threw it away and he got the black flag. Now, I don't know if there's any further penalty coming his way, um, evidently he passed Ortola for one reason or another. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I, I, he is a young guy. So, right. The red mist, bad decisions starts to compound, right. It just all starts to go right. And you, you're trying, 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 and it just doesn't work out. Look, I, I think the I, I think the, I, the hopefully he'll learn from it and move on. Garage is definitely it has influenced that this weekend. Oh sure, um, sure. You know, so it, it it that whole that mentality of we have to beat your teammate garbage that we talked about before. Um, uh, I think that had a lot to do with with quite a bit of it. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's so funny to me how differently that we we both feel about the teammate aspect versus what's always been and what. The majority of race fans feel the same way, and I, I, and I, I felt that that was pretty interesting considering the comments that came out of Ducati this past weekend. We'll talk about that when we get to MotoGP. But I, I think really and truly, you you can race each other, but you should only be wanting the uh, the two of you at the front. Right, like let's help each other get to the front, and then let's race. You and me, yeah. we break away. Let's go. This thing where if we're finishing sixth and seventh, and we're still racing each other hard, like I, I just don't get into it. I realize it's racing, and people are going, "It's racing. That's what racing is." And blah blah blah. Is it really? Because if it, if it's really racing, if that's racing, then why don't we constantly have two teammates fighting it out at the front? There's yeah. always a guy that's out there and a guy that's sometimes there. Jack Miller and Peko Bagnaya. Uh, last year it was it was uh, Pedro Acosta and Jamma Masia, right? And, mm-hmm. and why why is it that these guys are so intent on you know beat my teammate first? I guess the thought process is to keep your job, but we just saw in KTM in MotoGP that that didn't matter. Remy beat right. his teammate almost every week, lost his job. Yeah. So the 
So the, it's just an asinine approach to me. If you're a team boss and you have two riders, do you only want one rider doing well? No, I want iron to sharpen iron. Well, that's really not how it goes when they can't work together. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's a problem. It's not it's different than any other team sport, I get it. But at the same time, you know, the, the comments from Ducati were were right along what I think. And yeah, we want we want you to race. We want you to race hard, but we also have to work together and to achieve a common goal, which is for some for Ducati to win the nat, the world championship. That's what we care about. You winning a race and taking someone out that had a chance to win it, not a big deal. Right. But, you know, I think you're right. I think that this dynamic in the team this year, as Guevara has come of age and has improved tremendously from last year, has really put Sergio in a different place. And maybe they knew each other before and they never really got along, but the team was like, well, they're the two best riders we can get. Let's get them. I totally get that. But sometimes you got to be a little bit more mature about it, I think, as a human being. And this is, it's it's just hilarious to me that these guys are so cutthroat on the track. And then after the racing's over, they're like, oh, now we're friends. And, you know, it, you see it all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. Kevin Schwantz and Rain Rainey. Like, I, I just don't get that at all. But, again, I'm not at their level. And maybe that's why. Right? Maybe so. Well, um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we're armchair quarterbacks. What do we know? You know? Nothing, but I will still give my opinion. And why do I give my opinion? Because it's my podcast. <laughs> right. So, but I wanted to mention Tatsuki Suzuki, a pretty decent race in sixth. <sighs> Poor old crazy boy. <laughs> Sasaki, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Come on. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't. You know, I can't this catch would a break, be... dude. Yeah, this would be Sasaki's championship if he didn't have five, six DNFs. Six yep. DNFs, and he's fit. How and, many and of them are his fault? Right, yeah. So we know one in Silverstone was, and well, the one it, in, I think uh, at least three, but you're right. Yeah. Like, this one wasn't his fault. Indonesia and Silverstone um, definitely were his. Yeah, yep. But and then Mizano, I think, or not, not, not Mizano, excuse me. Mugello, Mugello he missed from, just right, that was yeah. just unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, he, yep. So I mean, he's just had some bad luck this year, and the D, the the fairing breaking in Qatar, right. is not his fault. And, and, uh, you're you know, right. So Qatar, you know, to, Qatar to me was the the outlier. I mean, that was just a crazy race. I mean, what was he six seconds ahead of everyone else uh, before yeah. he had kind of the fairing came loose? I, I mean, that's yeah, that's unheard of in Moto Three. This guy's supremely talented. I really hope he catches a better luck. Maybe he needs to go and, you know, see a shaman or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> man, just bad luck. But, yeah. I mean, that's what I saw for Moto3. It was, it, was, it was a really, really good race. The championship is getting interesting. Now, Guevara might run away with it now. Um, or Sergio could come back. But I think now it's a real fight. We'll see what Sergio's made of for sure mm-hmm. now. And that'll be great. So you want to move on to Moto2? Yep, let's do it. Well, let me just say that, again, Cambo, BA, and the American Racing Team were amazing all weekend. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. Cam scored two points. There he did were, finish a race. I feel like there were more people that didn't finish than finished 
um, this Moto Two race. I mean, that's the, nuts. the list was long. The list was long. Your boy crashing out on lap one. Uh, Jake Dixon crashing on lap one. I was like, well, I know Bo's laughing. Uh, I, I quit um, watching. I just walked away after that. I was like, well, I'm fine. I'm okay now. I can, I can, <laughs> I can go cut the grass. I can do something. I'm happy now. <laughs> No, well, we no, saw Alonzo a... Lopez win on the Boscoscura chassis, which was the first win in a very long time for any chassis other than Calex. Uh, I think it was 40-some-odd races, like 44 races. Wasn't KTM um, the last one to win with Brad Bender in 2018? That's Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, that's and nuts. that is nuts. Calex domination of the Moto2 class is just amazing. Aaron Kinnett finished second on a Calex. And Augusto Fernandez finished third on a Calex. Big day for Alonzo Lopez. Um, the story, we keep talking about it, but the story is just so good. And yeah. from not having a ride to the very first time he jumped on that bike in the Moto2 class, we were impressed. And he's got a podium and now a second podium that's a win. Just, I, I, I just can't imagine how happy he is right now. You know, and we questioned the the logic of replacing Romano Fidati so soon. They well, knew so, something we didn't know. Here right, we are so abruptly. You know, um, and and obviously Alonzo Lopez raced the Bosco Square chassis in the uh, Moto Two Championship and the the European or EV Moto Two right. Championship. So, right. so he's he's familiar with the with the chassis. He's familiar with the team, the owner. Um, but Alonso Lopez is 11th in the championship right now. And he's only raced in the last seven, seven races, you know, and, and two of the last three races, he's, he's had podiums. Um, so Alonso Lopez deserves to be in this, this race, in this championship at a hundred percent. Alonso Lopez needs a permanent seat here in moto two. There's no um, question. He has a permanent yeah, seat next year, I think. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and that being said, you know, I, I'm trying to find Furman Aldeguer on the, uh, you know, he's uh, Alonzo Lopez is 11th in the championship and Fermin Aldeguer is 19th and Fermin Aldeguer has been here the entire season. You know, so I had high hopes for Fermin Aldeguer. I'll be yeah, honest. I, mean, I don't know what's going on. He, I just... he showed so such promise and, and such, and I'm not saying that he's not, but he's going through a learning curve right now. And I think he's going to get the ship righted. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a big culture shock for him that someone else come into the team. Um, and and just kind of take to everything so quickly, but Alonso Lopez does have um, history with all of these tracks. He he had you know he raced in Moto Three. He knows some of these guys. He's raced against them before, um, and he's cut his teeth with them. So I think that I mean Alonso Lopez just top ride on Sunday. Honestly, just a very commanding ride, and it, it's what we saw in Great Britain, and and this was the result that we were waiting to see. Um, but I mean, this just a really good story, like you said. It's um, you know, it's one of those, you know, made-for-TV dramas that you that you see, absolutely and inspirational, and um, you know, well, we can you know wax lyric about it, but uh, uh, definitely, definitely well deserved, and and I hope that Alonzo Lopez has put his staple on this championship and stays for a long time. I I, I think I think he's definitely earned his seat. Everybody knows his name. Everybody knows he can ride, and. I, I'm with you. He deserves everything he gets next year in terms of a ride and a, and a place in Moto2. He, I don't know why he wasn't there. I mean, there's a lot of questions I have of like, okay, well, who evaluated him and said, no, nah, not this year? 
you know, who, why was that done? And, and I guess you just never know. You know, he could have come into the, the class and been an also-ran, and we wouldn't even ever talk about him, but he didn't. He came in, immediately made an impact, and ever ever since that first race, he's done nothing but improve in the class, and that's just, like you said, he's 11th in the point standings. He's only been here for seven races. Um, just just outstanding, outstanding. Um, another bridesmaid finish for Aaron Connett. I'm glad to see him back on the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he's going to win a race this year? I, I, I swear he's got one in him. I, I swear, I swear one too. There. I you feel know, the same I, way. And, and you know, we're coming into Aragon. I don't know how much he likes Aragon. Um, obviously it's a, you know, Spaniard at a Spanish track. We'll see what happens. Um, but, but my goodness, I, I mean, this guy's due for a win, right? <laughs> uh, this, it's what there, we want to see no question. just because we're nosy and we want to know about the whole bow tie. Uh, we need to know, yep. but you know, with that, uh, with that second place, he now takes third in the championship and pushes Celestino Vietti down uh, another spot. So I, I yeah. do kind of feel like Celestino Vietti's championship run is is really starting to kind of come unraveled. Um, it's done. at the moment. He's done. I I feel right now he's going to need the off season to reset. He's got the talent to win it. He just didn't have the experience yet. I I he should. I, I'm sure they're talking with him, but everybody has to some. Everybody learns differently. I I think he's just a little bit immature in his decision making on the motorcycle. He when he's when it's all going good, it's all clicking. He's amazing, and it doesn't always click. Just like with Jamma Masia, the difference is, you know, he's won some races and he and he really salvaged did some great salvage jobs, but. Mm-hmm. It seems like every race when he starts out poorly but then gets going, then he makes a mistake because he starts pushing too hard. Rather than just riding that wave, getting the points, the points he can. Yep. Yeah, bringing home some points. All he would have had to do is finish three of these races where he's crashed stupidly, and he'd still be right there. But he's not done that, and that's the difference between, uh, to your point, a mature rider and a guy that's still on a steep learning curve. And maybe he'll figure it out. Let's hope he does because, you know, I, that makes or breaks careers. But, you know, Aaron Kinnett is is one of the most talented riders in Moto2 without question. He is overdue for a win, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad to see him back. He's had some trouble there in the middle of the year. He kind of kind of went into a slump. But it feels like he's getting that ship righted and he's back to being the Aaron Kinnett we saw at the beginning of the year. And... If he can keep running like this, I'm with you. I think he'll get a win. I think so. Um, I just want to know about that bow tie. Maybe I'm, I'm with you. Maybe, <laughs> That's all you care about. Maybe, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, his wins don't affect me. Uh, but I do want to – well, they do until I know about the bow tie, and then it no longer affects me. Um, but what about Augusto Fernandez? Now, see, the, the flip side to the Celestino Vietti thing is what Augusto Fernandez did. He was not able to get it going early on, so he just kind of sat back, let the race come to him, let the bike start to feel better, and then he he ran some really good fast laps and ended up taking a podium home mm-hmm. when he wasn't on his best form. That's the difference. That that's how you win championships. Right, you say and, it a thousand times, nobody's listening. Right, but the you know the difference is you know look at the ages between uh, Augusto Fernandez and Charles Vietti. 
you know, that's what we expect from Augusta Fernandez. At this point, it's, you know, it's a, you, you should, that's what you, Augusta Fernandez knows how to win a race. He knows how to win a championship. So why hasn't he won one yet? You know? Um, so that's kind of the conversation that we're having now. With that being said, he has, you know, he's obviously leading the championship now by four points over Ayagura. Um, he finished ahead of his, of his championship rival. Um, so he's doing what he needs to do. It's a very methodical process to get to the front, manage the championship from the front and, and kind of work that way and, and to bring it home. And to me, that speaks, um, volumes to a mental maturity and and, uh, as well as skill on the bike and, and just kind of self-awareness to where you are throughout the weekend. Um, and I think that Augusto Fernandez had, has displayed that and is continuing to display that. I think he, he displayed that, uh, last year, uh, you know, with the Mark VDS team, he has, uh, it's kind of the, the MO of Augusto Fernandez for the last couple of seasons, I think is. Uh, he kind of starts off, he kind of lulls in the beginning of the season, then he comes on very, very strong throughout the season as it goes on more consistency, better results, uh, just kind of a more consistent front-running effort, and um, better race uh, better race uh, craft throughout uh, throughout those races. And, um, you know, I applaud Augusto Fernandez for that, and so much so that, um, you know, he is uh, possibly going to be graduating this year and moving on to MotoGP. Well, it's not possibly... Yeah, well, he's okay. going. So he's going. They you know, did not take Remy Gardner. Yeah, right. he has been. Which, of course, um, that will mean that Albert Arenas, who finished behind him in this particular race, is actually moving over to the IO team. I read um, in his stead. Uh, so he why would be do joining. you think they they must see something I'm not seeing with Albert Arenas? I mean, he has improved this year over last year dramatically. I, I have to say that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. Right. You have um, to look at the names that he's keeping company with. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah. he, he finished ahead of true. Pedro Costa and Iagur this year. We know how how strong Pedro Costa is, even in his rookie season in Moto Two. And the same can be said for with his broken Tony, leg. Yeah, with a broken yeah. leg, and then Tony Arbolino finished seventh. So. Um, I think Albert Arenas definitely took a very, very prominent step forward. Um, as far as that team goes, I do want to mention, um, despite my uh, not being a fan of Jake Dixon, that was a nasty high side. Um, and uh, you know, I hate, <laughs> it was a nasty high side. That. So I mean, hope hope that he's you know okay. He's hope he's not right. injured too bad. But uh, um, yeah, that, don't. Want oh, to see it hurt. Go it hurt like me that. to watch it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it hurt me to watch don't ever it. Want it was to see no somebody fun. Go out like that, but um, no. Um, yeah. So, Albert Arenas, especially in qualifying, has been much better this year. You know, he's he started races, been at the front. He's kind of faded in a lot of them, but he has improved, and, and he's got the qualifying. He's doing much better this year than last year on the qualifying right. side. Yep. And I think with a move to uh, IO KTM, I mean, who knows. It'll be. It might be him and Pedro Acosta fighting it out for the championship, mm-hmm. because I, I firmly believe Pedro Acosta is going to be at the front next year. There, yeah, I don't I think, think there's so any too. doubt. I, I think that we yeah. can definitely see. You know, if Iagura stays in this cha- in this class for another year, um, I, I definitely think that it would be a very interesting season to to really see Iagura, Aaron Kinnett, Alonzo Lopez in a full season, Albert Reynas. Uh, Pedro Acosta, even Tony Arbolino, and Celestino Vietti, uh really yep. mixed it up in the front. I mean, we've got big names that we're talking about now. You know, so yeah. so and now guys you're talking about well, if you're finishing and, top ten. Yeah, you're really finished. You're you know you're doing something. Um, yep. That being Absolutely. said, there's a couple guys that I don't want to see in this championship next year. I don't want to see Ayagura in Moto Two again. Um, you know, too I, bad. 
you know, well, not is it not confirmed yet, right? I mean, it's still a little. There's a little bit of doubt left, right? Oh, there's a, you're leaving that door cracked open. I think so. I yeah. think the door needs to stay. As if I'm Honda, I'm keeping that door cracked open um, because I, I. We'll get into that later. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know Honda. They yeah. like to. Oh, I know. Honda. They like to really yeah. trust the riders. It's never. It's always their bike is so good. Well, they like to trust rider. <laughs> Rider. Well, you know, I, I, I did want to mention Ayagura because he did exactly what we were talking about all all night with, you know, didn't have his best stuff. But you know what he did? He came home in a fifth place. Yep. You know, he finished another race. He kept it close. Augusto Fernandez is on fire right now. But Ayagura is riding almost as well, just barely a little less well. But he'll get there. I mean, he's he's going to push Augusto. Augusto cannot make any mistakes. If Augusto gets a couple of DNFs in these next races, Iger mm-hmm. is going to win this world championship. Right. Forget about it. Yep. So, you know, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He did a, he did a really good job on a day. Like I said, he didn't have his best stuff. It was evident. You know, he wasn't really great all weekend. His times weren't great. But he did what he could do. Um, like we mentioned Pedro Acosta. He's finished in sixth. Um He's he's getting better and better on that Moto Two bike, and he's recovering. He's getting healthier every race weekend now. Big deal. He's gonna at the end of the year. He's gonna be right there at the front. He's already won a race this year. It's really a shame how he hurt his leg right when he yeah. was gummy in the form. That's really a shame. Um, but I, you know, let's talk about the Americans. We have to do that. We're American, and it's part of the deal. Joe Roberts with another top ten, <laughs> no so that's not painful. a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no matter how painful it is, we're going to talk about him. Joe Roberts is the top ten, and there was some talk about both he and Dallaporta leaving the Italtrans team. I really hope not. I, I, I mean, for Italtrans, you have to look at who's beating you. You've got KTM IO, mm-hmm. Flexbox Forty. Ayagura on the on the Itamitsu team and Elfmark BDS. So Itamitsu Honda Team Asia with two race wins this year, you have one. But Joe Roberts is not losing to Scrubs. He's losing to the class of this class. And right, but, we but, now know that Alonzo Lopez deserves to be up in that conversation as the class of the class. He's at the he's in the top five and certainly the top ten riders, if not the top five, okay. you know, in terms of his performance since he's been in the class. Okay, so so just so to play devil's advocate, though, you know, we're saying that Joe Roberts is losing to the class, uh, class of the class. Well, Joe Roberts has been here long enough. Why isn't Joe Roberts part of the class of the class? I you said it I last mean? year. Huh? We know who Joe Roberts is. We know who he is. He is a tremendous motorcycle rider. Absolutely. He's no, not I, a world I'm not, champion. I'm not dis- He's not okay. a world champion. Well, that's strong. That's but, why. You know. Is it strong? I mean, Do you have not, other evidence to back up my statement? No, it's not yeah. unrealistic. I'm not saying that. Right, you know, right. But that's where, but you know, I think we need to have to come to the table with a little bit of hope, no matter how, no matter how far fetched it may be, Jason. Well, you should come. You can hope all you want, Mo. I have to. I he's got three the, years. He's, he's got three years in this class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is is this his fourth year? This is fourth year yeah, in the class. Yeah. And and he's got three previous years. Look. He has improved since he's been there. He's consistently in the top ten. Great. Yeah, think, that means he keeps his seat. But I don't. Yeah. But my point is, I don't think a Tal Trans should be getting rid of him because where are they going to go to find someone that's going to 
do better than he is. Well, they're going to have to invest in the future is kind of where they're at. Well, right. right? I mean, they're going to have to look right. at someone young, someone they're going to develop again and start the process all over. I, I agree with you. I think Joe Roberts stays. I think Delaporta's got to go. Um, I think that's Delaporta definitely has to go. He's a world champion, but he's just not he's just not gelling right. with this. Maybe it's the team. Maybe it's the bike. I don't know. But talking about who Joe Roberts is losing to, Albert Arenas is a world champion. Right. Pedro Acosta is a world champion. Um, you know, Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two world champions that that I think you know, out of was what eight, second or third in the championship in Moto Three. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, he was. Um, Ayagura is always right there. So, some cat Chantra is really the only guy that I'm like, well, you catch him on a good day, he's super fast. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of the you know? <laughs> yeah, he's the outlier in there. We don't know why he's there. It's, it's just you never right, know what right. you're going to get. Some cat Chantra is in the top ten. I'm a little interested to see what's going to happen. Like, I, it's just interesting to me. Like, did it rain I, that just day doesn't or do what? It. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Does it, you know? I don't know. But in terms of Cambobier, uh, what is happening? One, I, I, I think you know, SDK crashed out. Big deal. Um. <laughs> 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 I mean, look, I I want to be rooting for SDK. It's just hard because I don't know when he's going to come across the line. I watch the leaders go across, and then I'm like watching the little bar on the side of the screen. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh! So you know, <laughs> it, it was really frustrating. This one, you know, he had the DNF in Austria, and now DNF. He, had, he has a, he has a broken leg or foot. Yeah. I totally um, get it. He's injured. But, this but is, look, that has nothing to do with the previous 12 races. Yeah. And, but, you know. Well, so he's only, he's had four DNFs this year. You know, which, I, I mean, that's not, to me, that's telling me that, that SDK is not just throwing the bike up the road. You know, he, he's, he's not. trying to push, he's trying to improve, he's trying to find the limit, which which I think he's doing. I think a lot of it speaks back to that team um, that they're not, you know, can't they're not be able to, not able to put Cambobier um, up a little bit further and Cambobier is not be able not able to elevate himself um you know further forward in the finishing in the standings um i think there's just something missing in that team there there's something that's going on in the garage that you know there's just obviously it's not not a har- or a harmonious they, they just, um, environment but i mean, and and, yep. and honestly this was the first weekend that i really heard a lot of um deliberate commentary around Cambobier and talking about how talented he really is and how, you know, much they, they, they're really surprised that he's that far down the, the, you know, the standings throughout the weekend. And, um, it, I, I, it I just, it, if it's not, it's not cam, I just can't believe it's cam. I watched him yeah. reel off five straight cha- um, national championships. You know what I mean? Like, right. He, he, he is a tremendous writer. I, I, you I, just I, have to give him a chance. And that's why I think there's something going on with the team because I think they're forcing, I agree with they're, you. Tra- they're chasing their tails, they're chasing ghosts in that bike, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out a way to set up the bike around how he rides and what he, the way he wants to ride the bike, I think. And I think they're just missing something. There's a, there's a direction they're not going in. They even tried it in, um, I think it was Austria. They, you know, they they gave Cam one set, one gearing approach, and they gave SDK a different gear, a different gearing um, setup, and to see what was going on between the two. But you can't, you can't go out and have these guys be test riders on Fridays and Saturdays. These guys have to hit the ground running, and I really think that's where the American racing team is right now. Is they're trying to find that good base setup to where they can roll the truck off, uh, or roll the bike off the truck, and immediately be fast. 
they haven't found it yet. And the reason they haven't found it, to your point, is I, I, I do not think the experience level in the team is where it needs to be. I, I think right. it's an American racing team. I know that those mechanics that they have working on the bike and the engineers they have working on the bike, I know that they know how to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know that. But I truly believe that your crew chief has to have not only experience at that level, but he has to be accomplished. There, There is very few times where there's a crew chief that's not top-notch and the rider goes on and wins consistently, wins a championship. That, that doesn't happen often. And it's usually with a crew chief that nobody knew about, but he is top-notch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen. Like, there's a reason... People like Davide Brivio, team manager. Right. People want him. There's a reason. It's because how they manage anybody, the team. Yeah, anybody can set up shipping, but it's how they manage the team. And yep. and honestly, I I I have said many times. I, I read his biography, autobiography, John Hopkins, and it wasn't just about John Hopkins' personal life choices. The decisions he would make on a motorcycle directly led to the 30-something orthopedic surgeries he had. Mm-hmm. He he does not possess the acumen to get guys to walk up to that line of the limit and stay there. You know, he was a guy that pushed farther, pushed farther, pushed farther until it ended poorly. That was his deal. That's what he did. And I heard one of the things he said was to Cam before they went out, you're fine in sectors one and two. You got to push harder in sector three, and you'll be right there. Okay, why isn't he fast in sector three? It's not because he's not pushing. Right, he, he's a professional yeah, motorcycle there's rider. There's something missing on that bike. This is a yeah. spec class. This Ugh, is by and just large bothers now. This me. is a spec class, which means that if your rider is not fast in that sector. What's going on there? You know, and, it, and, and it, there could be it, something uh, that that Cam's doing on exit. It could be oh, a hundred percent. You know, there could be something. But we'll never but, know. But you, because yeah, you, Sean Dillon Kelly's to, no help. You ring the bike out as best you can first before you start leaning on your rider to 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 be the the next. You know, the the, the, I, the X factor there. I agree, and I think it, though, it, like I just said, I think it's really tough when one rider is so far back. You have no comparable data. Well, I, Sean I Dillon mean, Kelly just can't match Cambobia. He can't right, do it. But, but, but for whatever the, the garage, reasons are. But everyone in the garage knew what, what this year was going to be for SDK. No, we, I, we I, I agree. I'm not, we knew that SDK was going to get his mouth, his teeth kicked in this year. Right. Right. We knew that. But but the thing is, is that if they had two riders that were closer together, it'd be probably easier for that team. Right. Yeah. I don't, I but don't, with one I rider so inexperienced, yeah. With one rider so inexperienced, the other rider much more experienced, and a year on the circuit under his belt. It's got to be tough. But what we have not heard is that Cam's even coming back next year to any team, which I don't like because he is super talented. I just need a European team to take Cam Bobier. And then yeah. if Cam doesn't do well, send him on back to Moto America to race with whoever. I don't know. <laughs> send him back over here. He can He can race with whoever. But that's that. That's our American portion of Parks and Turn One. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just it is frustrating as an American, especially. And they were talking about why is Cambobier so far back? 
But I think you can hear it in their voices. They know what the problem is. They they have a feeling just like we do. It's not Cambobier. Yeah. Because we've seen him at the front when the machine's under it. And then we've also seen the machine fail under him more than once. We've seen the team let him down in strategy or whatever. The thing that Cam does really well is he just goes out and rides. He doesn't complain in the press. He just goes out and does it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of the mistakes have been his. I'm sure of it. But he doesn't he doesn't cry about it. And that I respect a lot. Because I don't even know if I could stay quiet. Do you think I could? Probably not. Uh, I'm, I'm yelling yeah, at some, I, I'm yelling at somebody. We should start a poll. <laughs> Let's start a poll. Can, would Jason stay quiet? Yeah. <laughs> no. I would have a I would have a fit. Um but the truth is is that he is he's remained professional. He's done his job. As frustrating as it must be, he has not complained about it. He just he just goes out there and keeps riding. Yeah. I really believe if you put him on a top notch team, we're looking at top fives consistently for Bobier. I think that. Now he's one of the older riders in the class. He's not going to get a MotoGP ride. But I'd love to see him win a few Moto Two races. That would be cool. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to you know possibly some of the bottlenecks that are in that garage. Um, leadership is in the garage, and leadership is lacking in the garage. Um, at, at some point, you have well, to question why is someone there because they just want to be. They want to continue to stay relevant in their eyes. Uh, it's kind of the Jorge Lorenzo effect, you know. We've talked about it before. Where you, somebody makes enough noise that hey, they make themselves feel better about themselves, and they feel. Are, like, are you calling out the best reporter in the zone, the D A Z N? He's doing reporting now. Now he's Can asking we talk questions. about MotoGP. Now I screwed up. And I brought up the JL <laughs> you, you you don't want to talk about Jorge Lorenzo? No, not not in depth. You know, I will. I want to call out though. Heartbreak. I, I, I hated it when Mattia Pasini uh, fell. The guy was looking so good oh, yet again man. on his two-year-old bike that he rolled up in the transit van and just said, hey, guys, I want to come ride this weekend. Um, Mattia. Did you hear them talking about how all of his controls were on the left side? Yeah, we, we talked about that, I think, whenever he, he uh, raced in Mugello. I saw that he, uh, he had the accident on his right hand, and he couldn't uh, couldn't break anymore. I, I didn't realize right how hand. many. I knew some of the stuff. I, I knew that they had moved some stuff to the right side. I, I did not realize almost everything is over there. Like, he's riding with his left hand. That is that is nuts, man. And, and top, I, you know, running top 10, you know, running in the, the sharp world, end with these guys. Yeah, with the, yeah. Let me tell you, I could last no, half a turn turned. that way. No, I could, I could maybe get the bike going. No. Maybe. I, you I could get off a pit lane. You quit. You just sit down. <laughs> you you <laughs> go true. back to the camper, turn on the AC, and, and start That's right. talking about it's how It's too hot goes. out here. Yeah. <laughs> it's too hot, and I saw a rain cloud, and and I, I'm not risking my life. And my left hand is broken, so whatever. No, it it really was it truly was too bad for him to fall. It, he he still he thinks he he they say he kept saying he thinks he has a lot to offer and it's hard to argue showing oh, up on a 2-year-old yeah. Moto 2 bike and, you know, sending it. I, I so, mean, if you're if you're Jorge Martinez in, in that team and you your eyebrows have to raise a little bit saying, "Well, maybe we try to give this kid a bike next year, a good bike and see what he does." Yeah, I mean, why not give him a test? You know, see what he's doing with the yeah, with, with who you're maybe. looking at. I mean, to me, it's worth a I, shot. You know, I mean, it, 
obviously we know there's a lot of politics involved and how many, how much sponsorship money can he bring and what kind of attention can he bring. But I mean, personally, I know that if I knew Mantia Piscini was coming in next year as a full-time rider, I'm going to be looking every weekend to see where he's finishing at. My eyes are going to be on him right. to see, okay, you well, know, all right, this dude, you know, just coming into the class again, you know, saying that he's got a lot to offer running with the sharp end of these guys, not racing for how long, and at, at the world level at least. Um, but what are you losing if you give him Nico Antonelli's spot or right, Zonta right. Van Den Goberg or, some, or, or Lorenzo Della Porta or Senna Agui? What are you losing? The answer is nothing except, right. the, except the assurance that you're going to finish in the bottom 10. I mean, that's <laughs> – but, you know, what do we know? We don't know. But it, it is cool that the privateer is still alive and well, even at the highest level. That's really cool. Um, let's move to MotoGP. All right. Francesco Bagnaia wins the race in a thriller last lap battle with Anea Bastianini, who finishes second. And third was Maverick Vinales. Fourth was Luca Marini, and our, our championship leader finished fifth. Francesco runs a great race, picked his, picked his moments. Jack crashed out mm-hmm. again. Um, Francesco did what he had to do. He wins his fourth race in a row, the first Ducati rider to ever accomplish the feat. And he may well be on for five, but let's talk about the fourth one. I, it's hard to find fault. I, you know, right now... Bagnaya is where we all thought this would be going on at the beginning of the year, right? Like we were all we yeah. were all just anticipating this Bagnaya domination. It didn't really happen for whatever reason. It's happening now. I mean, he's he's taken over. He is he is he is doing doing it for Ducati. I mean, he's he's setting records, he's winning races, he's clawing the gap back to Fabio hand over fist. Yeah, he's he's doing what you got to do, man. He he looks tremendous right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the sixth win on the year so far for him, and um, I, I mean, it, it's you can't argue where momentum where momentum is right now. It it's in the red garage. Um, you know, there's not even to say that there's strength in numbers, you know. Um, but I mean, Fabio Quartararo. He can only do it at some point. We keep talking about it. at some point for Fabio Quartararo to win this championship in the next six races. He has to fight and has to battle with somebody. Um, I don't think Fabio Quartararo can really rest on laurels for someone to make a mistake because, um, you know, we saw the last mistake that Ben Yaya made was in Germany um, with that with that crash. And I mean, in Germany, I, I think that that was such an anomaly, really, um, for Francesco Bagnaia that, um, you know, it's it, it's hard. I, I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I mean, we're going to be on pins and needles. We're also going into Aragon, which, you know, where Pecco got his first win. And we saw a monumental fight that was thrown at him by uh, Marquez last year. Um, I, it, it's going to be a tough weekend, I think. If it's a clear weekend, it's going to be an absolutely tough weekend. Absolutely, it will be, and and you know, I don't, I don't think Fabio usually goes particularly well. I, I haven't looked back through the standings. I don't remember him doing particularly well at Aragon 
last year because, like you said, this was really kind of where Fabio was struggling last year because that was Pecco's first win. Of course, it was in the Titanic battle with Marquez, but Fabio at that point was trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he had built a big lead. He had ridden really well earlier in the year, and he was just trying to to not make huge mistakes because he just didn't have it at Aragon. Um, and, you know, I, I think in truth, if you, if you think about what Bagnaya is doing right now, it is, I shoot, man, I just, for him to win four in a row, and we know that, you know, Casey Stoner didn't even do that. Right. Yep. It, it's just, it's astounding. So I was right. So last year, Fabio finished eighth in Aragon. If he finishes eighth in Aragon this year, he's going to be in some real trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about that for a second. Do you think that Fabio's in trouble with the championship this year? Or do you think all is well? He's just uh, doing well, what obviously to do. all is not well. You know what I mean? Like you're never out of you're never out of contention unless you're unless you're mathematically you know unless the math doesn't work out. Um, anything can happen. We've talked about it multiple times. Momentum is a funny thing. Um, Paco Bagnaia right now is 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 still is just such a professional on the bike. Um, you know, and 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 a lot of folks are gonna are gonna call out. Well, you didn't see what happened to him. Um, or you forget what happened to him at, you know, France at Le Mans, whenever Ine Bashanini pressured him and caused him to crash. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think that that might've been the last real, one of the last kind of chinks in, uh, in, in Pekka's armor. Um, and I think that he regrouped from that and has kind of calmed down. I think, and, and right now I really do think that he's still the quiet professional, um, of the class. And uh, like you said, not even Casey Stoner has done this for for Ducati, and you know, I mean, Pecco Bagnaia is squarely running, you know, flying the flag for Ducati, and is you know really cementing his name across, you know, with in, in the record books. So, no, Fabio is not safe in this championship. I don't think. Um, you know, it's if Pecco Bagnaia is able to win, um, this will be what Ducati's second uh, world championship. Correct. Um, I mean, I, I just think that it's going to be one of the greatest. Uh, I don't even want to say comebacks, but you, you, you know, going to be one of the better comebacks and one of the best championship fights. I think that we will see that you know may even take us down to the the last race in Valencia. Um, it feels like it be, will right now, right? Yeah, that's such um, an, to me that would be such an exciting uh, proposition to see that really happen to come down to the last race. Um, uh, you know, it's going to keep it, it's, I mean, obviously it makes for great TV. It makes for a great story for whoever's going to win the championship. Um, you know, and, uh, who knows? I mean, maybe Alicia Spargo is going to end up sniping both of them. Maybe so, but I don't <laughs> think so. I think, I think Alicia's on the back foot now. Honestly, I believe so. I, I believe so too. And he's on the, the other thing is that, yeah, I, I, I think he's in danger of Anaya, you know, catching him now. Um, one real quick thing about Francesco, you know, he crashed. The last crash he had was at Germany, was at Saxon Ring, right? And he crashed there, and then he went on to win the next four. So you're right. Right now, he is he's a truly a professional on the motorcycle. Um, Anaya pressured him to death the last two to three laps 
of this race, especially the last lap, and he did not crack. Um, which leads me to believe that, you know, Francesco might make a mistake, but he makes it once. Right? Yeah. And and that is a real <laughs> dangerous thing for the rest of this field because he's on a great bike. He's fast as a rider regardless. And he's super confident. And a fast, confident rider of on any sort is really, really hard to beat. Now, momentum's a funny thing. Right. If he crashes in this race in Aragon and Fabio somehow comes out and gets a podium, it could be championship over. There, he has no real opportunity to make mistakes anymore. He made them all. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he can keep it together for the final six races and if Fabio can do anything to fight because it feels like right now he's on the ropes to me. It feels like he is hanging on. Um he needs to do better than eighth. If he finishes eighth yeah. in Aragon, I I just about say that that's his fight over. Um, and if he and if he crashes, I, I don't. Uh, I disagree you know. with that. With the Aragon, you have to look at the characteristic with the track a little bit. We know Yamaha's not fast in a straight line, and we know just how fast the Hondas can be, or excuse me, the Ducati is in a straight line, and how you know how much acceleration it really has. The same thing with the with sure. the, the the Aprilia. Um, you know, so that's where the strength and numbers come from with Ducati. If they get enough vehicles in front of uh, in front of uh, Fabio, then you know, obviously they're gonna they're gonna deduct point. They're gonna take points away from that just by sheer volume. Um, right. I think that uh, you know, uh, Thailand's got a, a fairly long straight as well. Um, but uh, you know, Phillip Island could be a it could be a track that that uh, that Fabio could excel at. It, it could suit the bike just a little bit more. Uh, Malaysia has a lot of technical section as well, um, even though it does have some fairly, a couple very, very long straights. Uh, and Valencia is a pretty tight track all the way around. You know, we know how technical Valencia really is. So I don't think Aragon is really going to be the nail in the coffin for Fabio. I think that if Fabio can come out, uh, I think like you said last year, I think eighth place, you said he finished last year. If he's able to salvage an eighth place and, uh, you know, say Pekka does win, um, obviously it's going to close the gap quite down quite a bit more again. But I think that uh, mm-hmm. at that point in the season, uh, Japan, um, yeah, Japan's a hard one to call, I think, because it's it's kind of a, a good mix of both. Uh, but as well, it does have some fairly long straights that, you know, if you're not in front, if you don't get to get the just the right spots um, and you don't pick your spots correctly, then you could be on the back foot the rest of the race. Uh, I think I think it's something that you know we're going to start to see Fabio and, and Pecco really see. Uh, the race to turn one. We are. We've already talked about how how important it is, um, and, and I think that's really where a lot of this is going to still come down to is is who gets the turn one first, and what what the exit yep. of the turn and one he, looks like. And Fabio's got to be on that front row. He cannot yeah, qualify yeah. behind these guys. I mean, it's it's really tough, especially um, if you're starting you're starting positions on the opposite way of the turn, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way to go yeah. around the outside. And, and that's, and that's, and that's going to determine a lot. I, I, am with you. Um, but I, I just don't get the feeling that Yamaha had, can do a lot more this year for him. And he's, he's fighting for all he's worth, but at yeah, some I mean, point, he, he's, the he's lack the of, one. the lack of machinery is hurting him badly. Yeah. yeah this is absolutely his chance. If he wins, I mean, he's, 
I don't want to say he's done it without Yamaha, but you you know where I'm going with that. You know he's done it with yeah absolutely with minimal yeah. support on the backsides, um, and he's he's really done it with just him and his crew chief figuring out how to make that that bike faster, you know, than it than it really can be. Right. Well, let's talk about the guy in second place. Another tremendous race from Anea Bastianini after he was confirmed as becoming the. Uh, Ducati rider next year, the factory Ducati rider alongside Bagnaya next year. Next year, um, but this race didn't wasn't without controversy. He very nearly took Bagnaya out, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he, but he didn't. But he very nearly did, um, and that prompted some comments from Ducati. Where, where, um, yeah, which is funny because what were your actually, thoughts? Well, just before we got on, you know, you had sent me that article and I read through it, and I actually saw another article from Anaya Bastianini saying that, claiming that Domenicali actually walked back his his statements about it being overly aggressive, uh, because they looked at the data again during the test and said that he wasn't quite as as close as they thought he was, um, and Bagnaia said, or excuse me, Bastianini said that he didn't think he did anything wrong. Um, we know you didn't that you these, didn't because you didn't hit him yeah, but if you yeah, had hit it, him yeah it, well yeah so but there's the you know obviously there's the there's a level of arrogance that is maintained under the helmet of all of these riders right you have to sure it has to, to be that. yeah you've got to have that to be able to compete at this level um it's just how much is underneath that helmet and i seem i think that some riders have more than others uh, i do think that Bastianini is one of the riders that may have more than than others i think that he might feel that he deserves that seat and you know he, he rightfully so deserves that seat i think in some spots um but i think he also has to you have to go into that garage uh with a with a humble outlook to say all right you know now i'm here to, to work on the factory team this is this is the dream that i've always wanted to 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 achieve um I, i'm with another top-notch rider that i can it can absolutely work with instead of against. Um, we can we can help each other. We can bring a champ. We can cha- we can bring a world championship to to one of us. Um, we can bring team championships for how long now? You know, for the next however many years. We just have to work together. Um, and and, and like you had said before, you know, if we find ourselves out, um, you know, miles ahead of the pack or you know out by ourselves, we can fight with each other within reason. You know, we can battle each other on track with with respect and and you know, give each other enough space, but still be slightly aggressive, but be controlled aggressive. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's the ego that, that comes into everything and, and not saying that Peko Benyai doesn't have an ego, but I think it's probably a bit more controlled and a bit more, con- a bit more tempered than possibly, um, in a is. Um, and I say well, that given I... the, you know, the, the relationship that he and Jack Miller both have with one another. Right. Well, I mean, for Anaya. He doesn't. He doesn't care about somebody else's championship, right? Right. I mean, it's right. not his job, and he's not on Pecco's team. You know, they're not even teammates yet. Mm-hmm. But and you want to know I a think, good way know. to sour a relationship before it starts? Yeah, throw is, a nasty is, move, uh, yeah, and screw up somebody else's championship and give him another DNF. But it, yeah, that, I, but he didn't hit him, and you know, it, it could be much ado about nothing. But I, I do think, you know, it will be very interesting going forward because if Bastianini and Bagnaia are the ones fighting at the front, you know, and Bastianini gets the better of Bagnaia a couple of times. That mm-hmm. really doesn't mean anything in terms of the championship for Bagnaia. I mean, for Bastianini at this point, because he's way back. 
But it means a lot for Bagnaya because 10 points is a huge difference when you're only 20 points down. Right, right. And and so, you know, it'll be very interesting. It could be off or not. I mean, Bastianini might crash every race the rest of the year, and Bagnaya might crash through every race the rest of the year. But mm-hmm. for this race, Bastianini ran an incredible last lap, even with that mistake. It was the fastest I mean, lap he of the made race, it, yeah. It was, a, it was the fastest lap of the race, right? Right, yeah. yeah. On the last, I mean, that's incredible. So the talent level is unquestioned. Mm-hmm. It's just, do they work well together? And we're going to find out. But in terms of the racing, Bastianini is is just blindingly fast. And, and I'm glad know, that, I don't know what happened in the middle of the year, but he got over that. And now he's back. Well, with his move to the factory team next year, I think he's going to lose his crew chief. Which is tough. Right. That could be that's, a big deal. That's going to be a big learning curve to, to work with someone new. Um, so we'll see how that affects him. You know, I mean, obviously the talent's there, but we, you know, like you mentioned before in Moto2, we will see how much of that, um, that, that crew chief factor comes into play and how much, how they jive with one another. Um, you know, we've seen riders like Maverick Vinales, um, have difficulty navigating crew chiefs. So I'm interested to see how it affects Bastianini and how they. Maverick Vinales has difficulty navigating anything. Podium. He got a podium he in Mizano, though, man. Come on. Well, he did get a podium in Mizano, but, you know, if Mark Marquez had walked by his garage, he would have gotten 12th. <laughs> and I, I do congratulate Maverick. I mean, he seems to be the better rider in Aprilia now. He's, especially the last five or six races, it's been him. Um, Aleish is still there because he ran so well at the beginning of the year, but. I think we're seeing about where Alish is going to be. Well, he's He'll finish tired, third man. or fourth. He's, gonna, he's getting ready to pack it. He's 130 ball. years old. I know. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> so but he is. No DNFs. He has scored points in every single Grand Prix this year, though Alish Spargo has, and, and I think that's just. I think that's fantastic. You know, that's that's awesome. He's that is that is fantastic. You know, honestly, it really is. And he could have been so much better had he not been taken out in Assen. By Fabio, right? Strategic Fabio, well done. That's <laughs> yeah, that's good strategy. Yeah. Well played. Um, but you know, I, I Maverick ran a great race. Company as a race team, and and honestly, Maverick very well could be challenging at the front on a regular basis from here on out. Do I think he wins a world title? A hundred percent, no. But do I think he's fast? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, where are you with Maverick and Aprilia? Um, I think Maverick is going to see some race wins uh, with Aprilia. I'm not sure if we're going to see a championship, though, like you said. Um, yeah, and, and with Maverick, Maverick only has one DNF this year. He does have a, a non-score, uh, but only one DNF with Aprilia, which you know I think was, was better than what could have been said with, uh, with the Yamaha team. Um, the last the three of the last four races have been a podium. Um, it, so it's an important kind of, I don't want to say it's a changing of the guard within the Aprilia garage, because I did see a, a blurb that Aprilia was going to take two distinct development paths with, um, you know, both riders with Vinales and also Spargaro. So I think that, I think that could be, uh, it's a risky move, I think, uh, because if you set up bikes that are very similar to those two guys, uh, without finding good blends, then you may possibly, um, you know, if you when if if the and when the time comes, you bring in a third rider, a different rider, that rider might 
absolutely not you know it could j- not jive with either one of those development paths and it you know you're then now you're back at ground zero um but as far as maverick goes <sighs> i mean obviously maverick's gonna yeah, have a little bit more maybe. longevity on the bike um you know Elish is only what 33 34 now 32 maybe um so he's, 39 uh, you know he's, he's getting older by by GP he just gets standards. older every time i think about um, it but not you know he's not obviously he doesn't have one foot in the grave you know but um I, i'm curious if there's a little bit of lingering pain from his heel injury from uh uh you know from uh silverstone with that high side and even into uh you know, it could Austria, be Australia, there could be me, Austria. Yeah, absolutely uh, but uh, no i mean yeah there could be i i, I don't know I, I just i think he's done i think he's done the championship this year um, but he, he has ridden really, really well to your point. No DNFs is tremendous points scored in every race. Tremendous, but it's been what? Six races now since he's been on the podium. Right. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, that's six. right. Yeah, that's correct. So, so, you know, we'll see. Um, we can't go without mentioning Luca Marini. First of all, the livery on the Mooney bikes was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Grassini went with that garbage <laughs> fairing. I hated it. I hated that livery. Um, but the the Mooney squads, all of them look tremendous. Luca rode so well. Um, I, I this. I'm just always like I, I don't know why I'm surprised when Luca rides well. Like he finishes races, we've talked about it a million times. He finishes races now. He's he's got a couple of top fives this year. The podium will come for him at some point. Yeah, he's going to do it. Yep. Um, and it's it's just going to be. But he he just he stays on the bike. He finishes the race. Good on you, man. He's a You're sponsor's doing it. dream. You're man. not your stepbrother. Yeah. No, I agree. He's a sponsor's dream for a satellite team. Finishes also, every race. He's, he's in the top ten just about every too. race. You know? They don't have to put the bike back together. Oh. I mean, that's more than can be said. You know, Betsecki's nah. not terrible. Betsecki does have crashes. You know, he's he's fast. He pushes past the oh, limit. Betsecki crashes. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's that, true. You know, and that's why Betsecki really he still continues to remind me of Marco Simicelli. He's got a ton of talent, a ton of speed. Um, it has no regard for the limit of the bike. You know, he just kind of rides past it and crashes and said, well, shrugs his shoulder. Well, I guess I'll try again next time. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I see Marco Petzecki going, but you know, Luca Marini, they look the a opposite. lot alike for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that has a, has a, a, a factor in it too, obviously, but you know, Luca Marini's kind of the opposite, you know, and he, he approaches it methodically. He, he steps gradually forward, gradually forward, gradually forward, getting better and better and better as time goes on. Um, so yeah, I think I, those guys I, really just, balance each other out. Yeah, in that garage. he does. They really do. I, I think. I think in the end, Bezeki will be faster, but uh, consistently, Luca will be around. Yeah, and I, I, um, yeah. you know, I think the best that's, that'll be great. See that team's first win probably probably won't be Luca Marini. I, I would. I would put my money that's on Bezeki as well. Right. Right. Well, honestly, you know, we had Fabio finishing in fifth, and he he did what he had to do. You know, he finished well ahead of Alish. Um and he was catching Luca pretty quickly there at the end, but uh, Luca held him off. And you know, I, I think I think for Fabio, another damage limitation ride. Right? He's going to have to get it together though, because damage limitation won't work anymore. You gotta 
You can't just you can't just follow Bagnaya because he'll beat you. Um, you know, oh, hopefully he can turn it around. We talked about it already. Mm-hmm. But who did you who were you think had the most disappointing weekend? If you were to pick a MotoGP rider, who's your most disappointed? You'd have to say Jack Miller. I mean, Jack Miller kind of pitched a little bit, you know, in turn four there there and lost a bike. I think he's definitely one of them. Um, I think other than that, I have to look at Franco Morbidelli too. Um, you know, Franco Morbidelli yep, kind of made mine. a step forward toward in practice. Um, and then, you know, another DNF, unfortunately. Um, that, that, to me, that's that's where the that, – that's got he's, he and Jack Miller have a toss-up, in my opinion, is probably one of the, the biggest loser of the weekend, if you will. Um, what about you? I, it was Franco because Franco looked better than he had looked. Um, and then, you know, just, it's just when it rains, it pours, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it just, it, this year is just a throwaway year for Franco, be it because he, because of the bike, because of his knee injury, because whatever, something isn't right for Franco. And I'm hopeful that, you know, Franco can get it figured out because he, He's a he's a class rider and he deserves and he needs to be in the I want him in the championship. Um honestly I want him to be in the championship. Uh, I, I he's one of my favorites. And uh hopefully they can get it figured out on this twenty twenty three bike. Which, which made you know leads me forward, into yeah. it it looks like it did. I was just saying, are you ready to talk about this testing now? Yeah, I am. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we saw some interesting things in the test, and, and one of them was that the the Yamaha did find some speed. The 2023 found a good bit of speed consistently in the top of the, uh, at the top side of the the speed trap. That's really really good news for Fabio, and mm-hmm. Fabio ended up running the fastest time of the weekend, um, but Ducati did not run the second session on the second day. I guess they had nine bikes that ran three sessions. They were like, all right, we got it. Um, but in terms of, you know, Fabio and Morbidelli, they were both much, much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least where he was. Um, and Fabio then topping the timesheets. And like I said, they... Uh, they just they found a better a better answer for the top speed, which is great for him, but also maybe gave Morbidelli a machine he could use. Yeah. So Morbidelli was twelfth um, overall um, throughout the test uh, between both days. You know, that's, a, that's a big times. improvement. Yeah, um, and, and also I read an article that you know Morbidelli made a comment that the the engine improved for Yamaha. They did, they did what they did what they said they were going to do. They improved it where it needed to improve. Uh, but more importantly, he did make the comment that it did not change the character of the bike, uh, which means a lot of the character of the engine, which means a lot. You know, it still behaved right. the same way. The power was still delivered properly or the way that it normally would. So it's something it's not a night and day difference to what he's used to. So he can still kind of approach it methodically and how he rides and kind of change um, the way that he rides around that new engine um, and really extract the most out of it. And to me, what that tells me about Fabio Cotararo is, if Fabio, if the engine behaves the same but has more power, 
then Fabio Cordaro probably just needs to tweak some braking points just a little bit and then calls it done, and, and he's deadly on the bike. You know, that's kind of what that leads me to believe and, and think just a little bit to, uh, well, you know, that, that, that makes me worried a little bit for the rest of the, of the field um, is if Fabio has figured out that front end. But Franco, they also, uh, Yamaha also did bring a new chassis and a new frame, um, uh, which kind of changed uh, the way a little bit. And then I think that Franco Morbidelli will actually be able to choose that frame for the rest of the year if he wants to. Um, but he said he's not sure if he's going to make that choice or not. Well, we'll see. But it, you know what? I like that they, they're trying. I like yeah. that. I yep. think that's great. Um, and, you know, I, I think that one of the things that I, I listen to, of course, I listen to lots of podcasts, and one of the journalist podcasts that I listened to made the point that with testing being so restricted, in comparison to what it was years ago, Ducati has said, okay, fine. Then what we're going to do is put a bunch of bikes on the grid. So we have mountains of data. And I think Yamaha and even Honda with only four, but especially Yamaha with just two bikes next year really is on the back foot. Now they have made some improvements and maybe it won't matter. Maybe Fabio dominates the series, but I think everybody needs to look at that. And Ducati always leads the way technology-wise and they're forward-thinking in everything they do. And it seems that they have done this again. And I think Aprilia will benefit from having the extra two bikes on the grid. So even though they're the old bikes, I think they'll benefit from it. And I think we'll see. But Fabio being the fastest of the weekend is a big deal. He was the fastest time overall. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Ducatis were right there. At one point, it was the top five were Ducatis. <laughs> so, you know, he kind of took it to the Ducatis in the afternoon, the second day, which is great. Um, but the other story was that Mar Marquez was back on a bike. And I read a couple articles that were hailing the greatness of Marquez. And I'm like, looking at his times, I'm like, my man was 8.8 .8 down a lap. That's a lot. You know, and, and, and so let's, I'm, he's doing great. I mean, a 132 is a fast, fast lap time, but Fabio's running a 131. So yeah, Marquez, is you know, he's overall, almost in a 130. Yeah. Marquez's fast the overall lap time was 13th, um, in combined sessions, yeah. you know, which is still, he's, he's, that's group. He's, he's the fastest. He's Honda. not, he's not a hundred percent. Right. And he's, but he's still yeah. the fastest. Honda. <laughs> he is the fastest Honda. You know what I mean? So that on, shows yeah. you where they are. Yeah. Absolutely. They're terrible. 100%. They're terrible. <laughs> um, but Marquez did mention that he had some pain in his arm, so he'll have to see about Aragon. The hope was that he would come out, there would be no pain, and he could go ride. Right? That was the right. hope. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I, 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 my thing is there's a big difference in – I wonder what kind of pain it was. Because if you're pounding out 39 laps – in a session, that's a big difference than going out and riding for 10, 15 minutes, coming in, you know, taking a 10 minute break, right. going back out there for 20 minutes. Coming. That's a big difference. That's, yeah. that's, that's a, that's longer than a race. I mean, he pounded a ton of laps out. Um, but to his point, it might've started right at the jump. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why he wasn't pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, he, but he'll be back this year. I think if he's not back at Aragon, he'll definitely be back for the last two to three races. Um, but, you know, also, Apriya looked decent. Uh, they don't, 
they did not set the world on fire. They were never at the top of the timesheets, but Maverick was was not far behind. Right, third so overall. Apria yeah, looking good. Bad. Yep. 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 And 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 we'll just have to see. I mean, the tests, like I said, are are more infrequent than they used to be, and I really don't understand that. I, I think it's a way to close the competition gap because big factories have unlimited money and they can just do whatever they want, right? Um, but it's the prototype class. Isn't that kind of the point? Um, but, yeah, you but, know, I mean, you've obviously here nor seen, there. We, we've seen more conservative shifts in, in more recent months, especially with, you know, obviously with Suzuki deciding that it's not, uh, must not be lucrative enough for them to really continue to dump that kind of R and D into the bike and to to pursue that uh, to pursue a world championship team at the at the MotoGP level anymore. So it, it's it's it all it's all business at the end of the day. I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and and so if you have a a factory like you know Suzuki. Truly, in terms of the world market, they're struggling to sell these sport bikes, right? They they have been struggling for years. Mm. Um, and the reason is, is their bikes are ugly. Um, <laughs> well, I, we've, we've successfully alienated the, our Suzuki listening community, so we're now down well, to... Well, we don't have any. But the point is, is like I, I, I have never, ever found a Suzuki motorcycle attractive, ever. And... I like nearly every motorcycle. Speaking of new motorcycles, that new Aprilia Traventa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Be still my heart. I want that bike so bad. If if Maverick wins the world championship, can I buy that instead of the the RSV4 factory? Yeah. Would that be fine. acceptable? That's fine. As a Oh. We'll amend the. the oh bet. my! Yeah, since we're another year in, we have to be able oh. to move goalposts a little bit. I mean, there's only going to be like a hundred of them made, and there's no chance I would ever get one. But I am in love with that motorcycle. So if anybody brings it to a track day, I'm touching it. <laughs> 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 I mean, I love it and love it, man. But. You know, I, I I love when the when the companies do stuff like that. You know, yeah. I I didn't read a whole lot about that bike. I just stared at it. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't think it's a street legal bike. Correct? It's 230 horsepower track bike. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I, you don't need that. You're done. I do need it. <laughs> I need it well, it's, in my yeah, life, Bo. It's those those niche bikes, you know, where the the they're not really niche bikes, but the those boutique bikes and the the one offs. Like we had. Uh, uh, the KTM, uh, you know, with the RC8. RC8C, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, to me, we we got to look at one of those in uh, in Austin, I think, when we were there. And, I mean, to look at it, it's just, it, I, I want one. I, I want to, you know, I would love to have one. It's not even a 230-horsepower beast, but just to, you know, to be able to ride one and, and take one out, I think it would be phenomenal. And, yep. Um, yep. But those are dreams that... Uh, I just that need the, you to make us rich. So I can just have, we could just go and we buy out the entire garage, our track days at, <laughs> at CMP. As a matter of fact, we're going to go, we're going to go and the track is only ours. Like we're going to, me and you just out there riding around and cause we got too many bikes to test. That's it. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's a pie in the sky, right? But, that's, right. Absolutely. Well, I, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to buy, I'm just, 
yeah, I'm just going to buy CMP and put my house over there outside 12 and 13. And <laughs> then I'm just going to drive out when I'm, when I'm home by myself, I'm just going out there. I don't need any corner workers. I'm just going out there. Um, but yeah, so it, it is in terms of the test, I think what we saw were some positive movements for Yamaha. I, I don't know how much we saw from Honda. And that's a little worrisome. Well, and I, I bet you that Marquez is a little worried as well. So Marquez, you know, Marquez tested a new fairing, um, you know, which, and, and like you said, you know, he didn't see a whole lot of progress. Well, that'll solve as it. Far as in the, well, yeah, on the, on the team, you just didn't see a whole lot of pro, uh, progress on the timetables. Um, you know, Pedroza was obviously out for KTM. There was a lot of, you know, Brattle was there. Um, all the Hondas were right there in a big pack, um, right in the middle of the pack, more or less, uh, of where everyone was at. Um, I don't think that Ducati really showed all of their hand either, to be honest with you. I think Ducati probably kept a little bit in reserve on that last session um, and then just kind of packed it in and said, all right, we're, we're kind of happy with where we're at. Let's go home. Let's call it done. I, um, I think that's exactly what happened. I don't think they want everybody to know exactly what they're doing because right. everybody copies what they do. Exactly. Um, well... Just, just some so test yes. some parts um, they can't see, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some internal stuff and um, and see, maybe put a new engine in there, see how that does, whatever. But I'm with you. I mean, I think Honda, and I, and I, but, I still stand stand by what we had talked about before, that the, the, the mashup of the 2022 Honda that is just a, a Hail Mary to see what worked this year and what didn't work. Um, you know, and I always come back to what Marquez directly said about Alberto Puj and the fact that there was a management gap and there were management deficiencies within that garage. Um, it, that's a very powerful statement, um, you know, as well as that. If you if you work for an employee, you, you talk about your employer openly and say, yeah, the management there is terrible. Um, and you say that on a very public forum. Um, and obviously it wasn't quite that, you know, abrasive, but, uh, the point is there, you, you, we know just how, how passive and how soft of a touch some of these comments can come across sometimes, but just when they do have a soft touch at such a high sure. level, that means that they are that bad, you know, in, in real terms, in real time and what's actually going on behind closed doors, um, within those organizations. So I'm, I'm very curious what Honda does show up with in Malaysia um, for those tests and even the, um, to see what kind of a bike they prepare next year. And, and if Mark has, has input or what kind of input that does have. And cause I think I saw the comment from Polis Barger that said Honda doesn't want, uh, Honda's afraid to accept um, the feedback from any other rider other than Marquez, or they only want feedback from Marquez. Um, which is indicative of what we've seen for the last, you know, however many years now. Uh, but we also know that Paul Spargo is, isn't happy. Uh, he got everyone that has wanted that seat. They, they got their cake and then they, they have struggled on the bike. So I don't know. Honda's a tough call right now for me. Um, it's not good though. No, they're terrible. <laughs> they, you know what? We're done. Marcus, Good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just they have they have missed the mark repeatedly, um, and that's on them. So I, I really I have nothing positive to say, but only because there's nothing positive to say, and it, it is it's unfortunate that they have chosen the the path they've chosen. It's a pretty I'm sure job. they had their that's reasons. 
I love I love the Repsol paint job. So but there's something positive. If it, right. If if but if Mark Marquez honestly can't pull them out of this, I if if he's not he's not going to race for two years finishing fifth to twelfth. He's not gonna do it. I can't he see is it. not no. going to do it. And if he leaves and you haven't improved the bike but and he decides, okay, my arm hurts, I'm done, then what do you got? You've got no points. You're going and scoring five points a weekend with four bikes. Yeah. That's it. <clears throat> Absolutely. It's this is a dire situation. And there's already talk of Repsol pulling out yep. of the I was, sponsorship. I was bring that up. Absolutely. I mean, it's because you guys are being morons. And uh, fix it. Who's got the You're best bike? You're a humongous bike? company. Best fix overall it. bike on the grid right now. Who is it? I I would say it's Ducati. I think a close second is Aprilia. That's where I think. Okay. What do you think? I, I've, I, I've, it's hard for me to argue uh, Ducati simply because Benyai has shown results. But I, I I think Aprilia's got a better and Bastianini. Bike. I think Aprilia has a better. I mean, they've won seven bike. the races this year. You do. I think well, you have riders that are making a big difference right now on uh, on on Ducatis. Oh my god! You should support uh, that. I know. You should support that theory because you you hate Vinales and Espargaro is loud. I don't. I don't hate Vinales. I just. I just. I'm. I was. I'm constantly disappointed at Vinales. I'm disappointed with the way he left Yamaha. I'm disappointed well, the way fault. he wilts. He wilts. He wilts in the face of Marquez, regardless of Marquez's <laughs> intent. Or first, he doesn't care. He just, Marquez just owns him, and and the thing is, Marquez knows it. That's what's the best part of that whole thing to me is that Marquez <laughs> yeah. knows it. Marquez is like, I own this fool. I'm gonna make him do. Watch this, and like he's, you know, he, he he knows that. But I think the thing about Marquez now is it's really really hard for him. He he does feel better, which is a great thing. But I think it's going to be really, really hard for him when. If he, he has a subpar he's, bike, he's not. You know, he's he's uh, going to. Yeah. It's going to be traditional Marquez that, in his mind, he's going to have to push himself beyond a limit, and and his body just might decide to give out finally. You know, and then to and he's not going to. He's going to have an injury that he's not going to be able to walk away from, um, due to that deficiency on a bike that he's trying to make up for, similar to what Fabio Corraro is doing right now. But it could end much more catastrophically catastrophically for Marquez. I, it, it very well could. I, I, I don't... That's the other thing that I was thinking while Marquez was riding. And, and let's ask, why wasn't the test televised? Why couldn't I watch the test? Yeah, I don't like that. I want to watch testing. Yeah, I, I, would, I don't I like it either. I do too. Come on, video pass. I like to put it on test. in the background. Right. I like to put it on in the background to make my whole house play the thing while I'm working. Because so I can hear it. Loves so if I hear a big crash, I can run over to the TV. Well, I don't care about everybody else. They don't affect what I do. But they're not here anyway. They were, you know, I work from home, so they they're gone most of the time. But you know, it's it just it it is frustrating that that wasn't televised. But it is what it is. I I think um, you know, I I, w- I wish they would. They do the preseason testing. Sometimes, um, Sometimes. <laughs> in fact, they did it last year. 
I saw it last year, but you know, I, I don't know why they didn't do that. Maybe it's a cost of having the cameras out there, you know, and they don't want to do it. Um, anyway, what else you got this evening? You, I know World Superbike's coming back this weekend at Magni Corps. That's exciting. Fun. Yeah, that would be, that's going to be exciting. Oh, I, I like that. So too. now I, I do like that track quite a bit. I think yep. that track's got a really, you want to go ride it? I love it. Would love to. All right, let's do it. Let's do take it. You heard it here, folks. And cost and buy it in. And we'll we'll take the number one Whoa. United States based southeastern United. I'm done. Wow, you you that one hurt. That yeah, one hurt a little bit. It's been a long week. It's only, it's only Wednesday. It's been a long week. <laughs> yeah, I, it's been a long week for sure. Like I've had one of those days myself. But this always makes it a little better. Um, Especially when you I get think, to make fun of me, right? Yeah. Oh well, when I get to make fun of you, that's a tremendous that's a tremendous bonus. Um, but yeah, I think I think we we know that World Superbike's coming up. I think we're going to see some more great racing. I'm very interested to see if Top Rack can overtake uh, our boy at the front there, mm-hmm. uh, Alvaro Bautista. And you know, I, I, I because like I said, I don't think Johnny can do it, but anything can happen. Um, and I, I'm all for it, but, uh, truly I'm just excited for the racing to be back. So that means we don't have a weekend without racing, which is great. Um, hundred percent. And yeah. And you know, they had the, the, the weir races at road Atlanta this past weekend. And, um, I was, I was keeping up with that a little bit during the weekend. So that was cool. They had some sprint races, but the, the weather was really, uh, really mixed. There was lots of rain intermittently. Uh, so the track was drying or wet or little, you know, mostly dry. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't really have a great dry weekend. Um, and that track, it, to me, in the wet is terrifying. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I mean, I've not ridden it on a big bike. I did ride it uh, on a six hundred in wet with no traction control. Uh, the paint is is certain death whenever it's wet. I, I touched the paint a couple of times. And, and it's so, I mean, even coming up through turn one, you know how turn one kind of carries you back across the, uh, the blend line coming out of the pit. Um, so that, you know, I hit one of those small paint patches as I was crossing that blend line coming up through turn one in the wet. And I mean, it, it lets you know that you hit it really quickly. Um, you know, and you definitely have those, those pucker moments when you kind of lose the rear just a bit. Um, I think I touched the paint yeah. in turn six too, uh, cut it too close to the, to the apex going through there. Um, and then, uh, you know, turn five to me and turn seven were the sketchiest, um, kind of as you accelerate up the hill out of turn five, you feel the bike kind of start to squirm a little bit underneath of you. Same thing coming out of turn seven. You're just kind of easing it on as hard as you can. Cause you know, that's your, the most important turn to, to kind of make, to make time up in the uh, on the track, you know, you got to get in and get back out as hard as you can. Um, but in the wet, that's that's definitely sketchy. But uh, um, turn ten is where I crashed. Ten so, <laughs> uh, A's where I, I lost the front there. <laughs> uh, but you know, everything everything crashes so much better in the wet, though. You know, it just kind of sits down and skids across grass oh, yeah. a little bit better, and um, it, it, right, it's easier to put right. stuff back together. I think as long as you don't have to peel mud out of stuff. But no, I agree with you. I mean that that track in in the wet and also in wet cold. I think it was about fifty degrees when I rode it, um, and that was just at a track day. I can't imagine what these guys feel uh, whenever they're actually trying to race in it. So I, I have so much respect for them to do that. Um, and they're they're better men than I am. Well, right. I mean, we've already talked about whether or not I'll ride in the rain. <laughs> I mean, not a chance. But it is what it is. I mean, I. I have a very narrow window at which I can operate a motorcycle. 
and uh, you're like a Ducati. I don't know why you don't own a Ducati, but you basically are the human version of one. (laughs) Right, right. That's a great description. The human version of a Ducati. Very temperamental. (laughs) I like it. Yep. Very temperamental. Expensive. Well, but what else do you have this evening? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> That's enough. No, I'm just getting Come rolled on. up, man. I'm gonna put. Just I'm gonna kidding. edit this Keep and going put it if in the want. front of the podcast. <laughs> uh, that's where you should do. Absolutely, you should. Well, listen, guys. If you're going out riding this weekend, please, please, please be safe. Keep that shiny side up, that rubber side down. And we can't wait to come back next week and talk about World Superbike at Madney Core and whatever else in the world's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, saying good night, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>